Hello, hello, everybody. It's David Kurt here, and I want to welcome you to Sudbury Stories. Sudbury's an amazing place with amazing individuals that are doing some incredible things to make the city a better place. It's my goal to get the word out about the good news stories local to Sudbury and highlight some of those individuals that are having an impact on Sudbury to make it a better place. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario? And that's exactly who we have today. We got Chris Cacciotti. He's a passionate, energetic, young professional in Sudbury. He's currently the development officer at the YMCA of Northeastern Ontario, which includes Sudbury and North Bay branches. Mm-hmm. He gets his mix of two passions in life, healthy mind and body, and making a positive impact on the community and trying to make Sudbury an even better place to live. Chris has played an active role in Sudbury on the volunteer fundraising scene. He was the youngest president in the history of the Rotary Club of Sudbury Sunrisers. And him and his dancing party partner, Zoe Monroy, won Dancing Easter Seals and Stars 2017. That's a big accomplishment. Yeah. He's also been huge by the Northern Ontario Business as the Top 40 Under 40 Award winner for Sudbury. Uh, Chris is also one of the most prominent Ninja Warrior obstacle racing athletes in Sudbury. You can see him and all of his high-flying moves on Instagram at cityworld705, and we'll include the, the uh, link in the show notes as well. So take a peek down below there, guys. But but I'm super pumped today to have our on our inaugural episode of Sudbury Stories, Chris Cacciotti. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dave. I'm uh, super pumped to be guest number one. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, well, and obviously, bud, like, you've been somebody that I've followed for such a long time, and like knowing you know, back even from high school days kind of thing a little bit but just where in the last decade when I'm looking at social and I'm following Instagram or Facebook or anything like that like you are out there yeah <laughs> and that's it's hard work to be out there but you are out there and you're prominent and honestly but like if I have to think about one thing when it comes to you it's passion it's passion for sure hard but work. tell me a little bit of like what like what is it that makes you so passionate about like what everything you do in life well, I, I've always been a uh, like a passionate guy who has done everything kind of all out, max volume. Would you um, play every sport growing up? I played hockey, played hockey growing up, played soccer growing up, played basketball growing up, even though I was the shortest little runt, <laughs> uh, shortest little runt in, uh, in, on the basketball team. But again, it speaks to the heart and the passion. I mean, I made the basketball teams at St. Francis both years and at St. Ben's in grade nine, not because of my ability to play basketball better than a lot of other people, but just because of my energy and enthusiasm, how hard I went, like I, I willed myself onto these teams because I just went harder than a lot of other people out there. I mean, I made my high school, I made our high school soccer team. Um, I can only kick with one foot. Uh, I had very little dribbling skills, but I was extremely fast and just went all in all the time. So I just, you know, yeah, that's and it. Like, like, where does that come from though? Like where, like having hard work and, and energy, like it can definitely set you apart. And like, clearly you've known that that's where, but like, how, how has that been a part of you from such an early age? Well, it can it comes in, uh, from an early age, I would say that my parents, my parents instilled in me or built a foundation of, uh, an insane amount of confidence um, from That's my a good thing. Yeah. yeah, my mom uh, just like 
over loved me and was just she did everything in such a way that made me believe that I was just like a super special kid and that's that drilled down into the heart of me now mix that with my dad's relentless driving home nature of work ethic and grind and you got to work harder than everyone else and you know that's going to make you successful and so an unlimited level of confidence and a, a deep fire of a work ethic is the perfect combination to build a foundation of a person who has just a relentless energy and a, the brightest light to possibly shine on the world. I love that. I love that. One of the things I always say is like whenever, whenever I like you, you shoot for the stars because if you fall, you land on a cloud. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like but yeah, I love that. Like, and you definitely are that that ball of energy, right? When I follow you anyways, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I gotta I got I, I I wanted to make sure to mention my dad in here because what I've d i have did a previous podcast, I was on Connor LaRock's show, and I gave my mom shout outs for the confidence piece and the happiness piece, and my dad's like what you grew up in a single single parent home, Chris? Like, what am I? Like, was I not around? And I was like, oh yeah, you were a big part of it too, pops. Don't worry. So, um, so I'm happy I was able to include him here. It sounds like a, like almost like a very Gary V esque. It is, and you know what? I, I listen to a lot of Gary V, and I'm very public about kind of how his, he has influenced my life. But it's because we share some similarities. Like, I'm not gonna not say it because he has said it. You know, of course, yeah. Because it's true, and I mean, I. I think that speaks to the power that great solid parenting can have on us is that if your parents raise if our parents raise us the right way if we raise our kids in a way that you know emphasizes values that make them good positive minded people that make the world good then we win my mom always said every single day before we left the house for school she said be good be nice be kind those three things every single day not only when we left for school but in our in our lunches in yeah. notes yeah on like she would she made like she was very artsy and she still is but she was very into crafts and all of her crafts had this message woven into it in some way be good be nice be kind and i think that's like at the foundation or at the core of who I am is just those she three. drove home just being a good person. That's fantastic, but that's fantastic. And now now you've got a family of your own that you're trying to build and grow yeah. and you know, kind of, you know, give back those same values, right? So like how are you like what's I've got three little kids at home too and like I know it's a daily struggle. Like so like what is what is it that you're going through? How are you doing your best to influence those three values on your family? So I try and set a good example, first of all. Um, I, you know, I try and model the behavior that I think Zoe and Everett could use to make them, to make them good people and productive members of society. Um, but it's not easy. As, as, as you know, uh, little kids can, can be challenging, emotionally challenging. Like just sometimes it takes every ounce of strength in our bodies to uh, remain calm and sometimes sometimes we have to leave the room to you know catch a breath because and one of the challenges that we face and all all parents face is we have as 
as adults, we have the ability to process information and feelings and emotions and be empathetic and understand what other people are thinking and feeling and be able to kind of contextualize that all into um, information that we can use to dictate our behavior. Little kids don't have that level of empathy or understanding and they behave in ways that is so raw emotionally that sometimes when they're having a fit or they're having a tough time or they're emotionally kind of on tilt or volatile, we as parents have trouble kind of packaging that up and, and how do you, how do we deal with that? How do you, how do you take a kid who's having a fit because they don't understand and tell them to stop crying when that's just them expressing their emotions? So do we tell them that expressing their emotions is a bad thing. So this is the kind of the challenge is how do we juggle it? Juggle it. It's and honestly like many times I wish there was a, like this book where you could just go be like look it up and be like, "Oh, there's the answer." And clearly that doesn't exist for parenting, right? Cuz it's impossible. Yeah. It's only- impossible because every you know how many parent how much parenting resources are out there? <laughs> how many blogs, books, vlogs, like websites, oh, there's an there. infinity of information out there yeah podcasts for us to go but the person that's writing that book isn't you the kid they're talking about isn't yours so there's no context there's only information that we can use to to kind of see what people have done we can pick from here pick from there and try and formulate a thesis that that we can act on to try and do our best job but at the end of the day like it is what it is, but then it's just like, I think this is where we go back to it and we cycle back to it. Like, I know my parents were big influences on me, just like they were influences on you. And my mom taught us values where it was like, what's right from wrong for, for her. Like, she was a very religious person, so she used, the, you know, the religion to help us teach values kind of thing. And it's, right. it's up to whatever, however you're going to teach those values. Us too, very religious family. Right? But it's, uh, but I think what it kind of boils down to is you take those opportunities, and I think those are amazing when they're like, the kids don't have the filters but that's what makes them even more fun like they're going to tell you to your face that <laughs> yeah, the yeah. truth is right, right. You're, not, you're not getting a BS answer from a three year old for sure um, but, uh, but yeah it's up to us to try to just like maybe you know like let them fuss it out or whatever but like that's the values that you have the chance to kind of you know implement on your kids too right so mm-hmm. um, but like and there, there's like lots I want to get onto with your family as well kind of thing. But one, one of the things that like I'm reflecting back on now that I have young kids and I'm sure you, do, you are doing as well is, is when it comes to something like legacy. Like is that in your mind at all? Legacy and like what you're like the, the, the footprint you're yeah, yeah, for sure. Not only for my kids but for, for everybody. I mean I want, I, want my, I want Zoe and Everett to look at me and think about me and just truly and utterly without a doubt believe that I am just a great human being in yeah. every sense of the word. And a lot of the things I do and because I, because I'm so public with my life, yeah. they are going to see it and their friends are going to see it and everyone they know is going to see it forever. So I have to be a, you know, the person that I be, the person that I am publicly is a has to be a good person because there's no hiding, right? So my kids hold me accountable. Social media holds me accountable. As mu- as evil as everyone says social media is, it is actually doing a pretty good job 
keeping people accountable. And right now, it's viewed as a place for, you know, for people to perpetuate hate and bad things and there's trolls and all this stuff. But once it clicks in people's minds that social media is a place where information lives forever, a lot of people will get wise to that and they will understand that they don't want to be perceived as a troll for eternity. So what they start putting out publicly will start skewing good because that's generally how people want to be remembered. That, it's interesting to hear legacy in the terms of social media because that's what it is, is it's going to live forever. Forever. Yeah. And it's like, like yeah, whether you agree with things, things like Twitter where you can be anonymous on things where that's not really your true self, but authenticity is one of the most important things in this right. world. And yeah. then who you are online is who you are in person and probably, you know, to the next extent because like you feel like you can say what you want, what you want when you're at home in your PJs. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if those two don't match then your authenticity is out the window. And you do lose credibility. Your credibility is out the window. And that's, and that's the biggest asset that we have is our, our name, our word, our honor, whatever word you want to label that with. And as soon as that goes away, you're, you're toast. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. No, I definitely so you can't that. be, you can't front or else, you know, you can, but it'll catch up with you and that'll end. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't keep that person going for, for, for so long. Right. Right. I had a friend of mine that actually like he hit the nail on the head with this and he's very, very public with his posting and Steve Cotan and Steve, if you want to listen to this, a uh, little hi to you there, a little shout out. But I remember having a conversation with him and, and he, he went through losing a father and losing an animal yeah. and everything, but he was posting long, long, long content posts on Facebook. And he said, Dave, there's my journals. He's like, this is what my kids are going to look at someday when they want to know what I was thinking and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's such a cool mindset to take on this because it's true. It's, yeah, it's out it's there. So it's going to last forever. And in 25, 35 years from now, if the kids want to figure out what, what was going through his dad's mind when he lost his father, right. like there's that post. And yeah. then like, sure. Some people might be like, oh, you're sharing too much information or whatever. But like the fact that it's, it's out there, it's a resource and it's, it's available to his kids that want to look it up or somebody that is like close to him and, and kind of surf back and say, what was going through his mind at this, you know, this post, this time in your life. It's pretty neat to be able to think of it. It's like huge. And, and you know what? People who think of it any less, people who think about that as any less valuable just because it's on Facebook are crazy because people journal all the time. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing, it's a thing that goes back thousands of years, keeping a journal, keeping a log, keeping a diary. And just cause it's on Facebook doesn't make it any less valuable or important or significant. And I think that that's cool because it will last forever in 50 years, his kids can go back and look at that whereas a journal it's probably it, it in could, a book, it could, box somewhere it could get yeah. damaged in a fire it could fall in a puddle it's, it's, it's so true and it's just like I think if we kind of we don't know where things are right now because we haven't lived this life and have been around so we've been around social for 10 like 10-ish years right but like what's it going to be like 30 years or 40 years from now and it's kind of interesting to see that approach to it right and really if you don't like what somebody's posting, just don't read it. Just like, don't yeah. read it. Like, exactly. Don't, don't, don't like, be negatively affected. Like, yeah. like the fact that people just... The fact that people harp on something like that. When they anything. If you don't like... You said it perfectly. If you don't like something, don't it, why are you watching it? Yeah. <laughs> why do you spend the 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 2 minutes, 5 minutes watching something that you're not interested in? And then you spend the time and energy to actually comment on it yeah. 
So it's just, it's a lose, lose, lose because no one else is like, it's, you're extracting it in a world where we're trying to inject as much value and provide as much value in this world. It's a lose, lose, lose because it triple takes value away from the entire planet. I think something that kind of sticks with me is like just being a positive person is just a better way to live your life. You're just going to be a happy person. And I think that's, again, when I think of yourself, like in following you on social and stuff like that, like, which I think you're one of the best person, like individuals that are building a brand locally in Sudbury, but you, you are such a positive person. And that's like, that's, that's easy to see there, but, but you've gone through some highs and lows. And, yeah. And, that, and that's, and that's another, that's a, yeah. So the lows, the lows, um, were, are, are hectic. Uh, I did, I went through some crazy leg stuff as a kid, um, which, you know, taught me adversity and all this stuff. But, uh, uh, all this stuff with Everett that just went down, all the medical stuff with Everett and his heart condition, that is a, I would say my parents built the foundation and I've always been a happy, positive kind of kid, but Everett and the realizations that came from it because realization that kind of came out of it really just made me hyper focus on the fact that life is too short and too valuable not to be a happy positive person and make the most of every day and, and yeah and anybody that doesn't know what chris went through like basically he had his second child right ever yeah yeah it was born and it was had some, some complications right off the get go yeah. kind of thing right but then you know what like he's like right now how old is he now he just turned two in august yeah, 18 two years old i see pictures of him and just see where he was and like where he is now like yeah, he's, he's probably even a happier person than you. <laughs> yeah, and you know he has every excuse in the book. He has every excuse in the book not to be, but he is blindly happy. And I mean, it's. I feel like it would be doing a disservice to him and his honor to be anything but because if he can go through what he has went through and is going through and will go through forever with the biggest smile on his face and be the happiest kid in the room and the brightest light, how can, how can I have the audacity to, to not be, yeah. right? What, what am I going through that, is, that trumps what he's going through and how do I not be happy? I mean, and especially... Another double-folded factor that ever has done for me is that I've already gone through the most challenging time of my life. Crazy. Right? Summer of 2017 will go down in history as the toughest time of our lives. So, like, I feel like I'm invincible now because everything that comes up is so insignificant. Compared to what you've done. In comparison. Yeah. It's, right? it's so true and it's like I my mom's passed seven years ago now and uh, it's I was 25 years old when I when she died and like some people are like oh my and it, it, like honestly like she was one of the, the closest people to me in the world to me like she was such a big part of me growing up and stuff like that but I think of it as I had 25 years with the most amazing mom in the world mm-hmm. and like like everybody else should be jealous. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's, exactly. That's how, right. that's how I try to be like, like I'm definitely a positive, like glass half full person. And I think going through things like that and going through those, those obstacles in, in your life are, you could look at it you could be negative and you can mope and you could, you know, like really take the pessimistic approach to it, but there's not going to accomplish anything. But by looking at it with, the, with that silver lining and making the best of whatever situation, 
you just be so far off better for it. You hit it bang on on the head, dude. Like, it's it's ironic, in the sense that we come out. So I just gave a talk on Monday. Yeah. At Mo Mondays about uh, it's called I called it stronger than you think, and it's about the choice that we're presented with when we are faced with a hardship or yeah. a challenging or difficult situation. Option one, pathway number one, is you use it as an excuse to kind of pull back and, you know, you can crumble, break down, use an excuse to tear away or, you know, you kind of, you use an excuse not to be the best version of yourself, right? You there, There's nothing wrong with, you know, going back and reflecting and like, like, right. like, like taking your But you can crumble because of it and a lot of people do. Option number two is put your head down, grind it out and... You use it as an, you can use that at that difficult situation as an opportunity to self-reflect, to grow and actually develop as a human. I came out of Everett's situation, like I am a better person today, all around than I was two years ago. It's, it's undeniable. And it's, it's so amazing that you were able to take, you know, tragedy and make the best of it and now like you know like look around you've got this amazing little boy yeah it's like because because why not i mean it's happening right it's 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 happening there's no there's no changing it so why not use that in and extract any and as much value as you possibly can out of it and then it's not it then it didn't happen out of spite you, you know, you were able to, I can look at this and this challenging time and, you know, and, and use it in a way that, that has a positive yeah. outcome. And that's, that's exactly like, that's whenever I'm thinking, like kind of faced with the problem is like, I, I think of one certain, like I draw whatever the issue that I'm facing, I draw a circle around and be like, okay, well, what can I control? Yeah. And what can I not control? Right. And if the stuff you can't control. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, Hopefully, you, you can make some interlap yeah. between what you can control and what you cannot control because then you can make your situation better. But take what you can control and deal with that and then move on the best you can. Exactly. Yeah. But tell me a little bit. So, uh, like, like to, to move on, and I want to get into, like, a little bit about how you're making an impact in Sudbury and locally. But Mo, Monday, Mo Mondays, that yeah. just happened, right? So, tell me a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah. So, Mo Mondays is a program that's uh, produced and put on by uh, Candace Kirkbride. She is a local Sudburyan, um, and what it's all about is gathering people from Sudbury that have uh, stories to tell and giving them a platform to share that story and, um, you know, entertain, inspire, educate the audience. So she asked me to be a part of it. It was her second show. So she had a September show. October was her second Um her November show is already booked, already fully booked with speakers, and she's booking into December, so that's good. And I gave a talk. I was absolutely terrified because public speaking is my absolute deepest and most dreaded fear it's, of it's, life. It's crazy that, that like, because you're such a like you're such an energetic guy and you have so much confidence, and you know, like we all have our like what life's like behind the scenes, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, a big shout out to uh, Connor LaRock, who really kind of made sure I was in a, a proper headspace at SRO. He came up to me. I was looking over my notes. He gave me a good pep talk and basically 
convince me to just throw my notes in the garbage. You I saw watched that the video, story. of course. Like, yeah. Throw, my, throw my notes out. Didn't look at them once. And he goes, you know what, Chris? Mm-hmm. You know your story. You're passionate about your story that you want to tell. Just go up there and speak from the heart. And it's going to be the best thing that you can possibly do. Yeah. And that's what I did because... I have been putting myself in speaking situations because I preach heavily to people to step outside their comfort zone because that's where we can grow and find opportunities to get better and be better. And I can't preach something without without practicing it. So... So I keep putting myself in these speaking engagements and speaking situations, but... And I keep bombing. Like, honestly, yeah. I I know. (laughs) Because, like, I spoke at this youth empowerment symposium a couple months ago. And in my head, I I have this vision. I have these notes. I have this vision of what it's going to be. And I have this bravado and this gusto and I'm giving this talk. But then when I get up there, it's like... (laughs) <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what I had written down and I'm stumbling and then I'm trying to figure out where I am and then I drop blanks and then I'm looking at this room with nothing to say and it's just a mess, right? So, but, but at that symposium, the Q&A section, I crushed because spoke from your heart. it's more of a conversation. Exactly. Someone asks me a question, I answer it, I'm speaking to this person and it's a medium that I'm much more comfortable with. And so I crushed the Q&A section, and, but I was like drenched, I was sweaty, it was <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Yeah, it was, uh, so I go into the night, I mow Mondays, I deliver my speech, I'm still a little bit hard on myself and I think that's a problem is because I have this, it's a performance anxiety that I believe is rooted in my, you know, I'm a very competitive person and when I don't perform to the level that I want to or believe that I can, you know, I get this point to myself. I think that's the root of my fears because I don't care what the audience thinks of me because, you know, you know, my feelings of inadequacy don't exist. Thanks mom and dad. (laughs) But... You want to perform to the level that you want, you know you're capable of, yeah. and you're going to be your harshest critic. Exactly. So I give my speech. Again, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit um, conscious because there are a couple of points that I really wanted to drive home, but I got my thesis across clearly. I spoke from the heart, and I got a lot of very positive feedback. Yeah. One piece of feedback specifically from a lady by the name of Catherine Ronchin, yeah, who's a Toastmaster, and if are you familiar with Toastmasters? Yeah, yeah. It's a public speaking club. It was at the Y, don't they? Yeah, at the yeah. Y. There's several clubs, three of which are at the Y, and she told me that she gave me some like real deep Toastmaster esque feedback, and it was all very positive. And and when I heard that it was very much cemented into me that it was actually a really good speech in spite of the things that I've forgotten because I have trouble remembering that the audience has no idea what my plan is. Exactly, yeah. Right? So they don't know what I forgot to say. Yeah. But what did come out came across as, as you know, heartfelt and passionate and I spoke from the heart and and it was all good. Um, And uh, the people... Like the people who all chimed in um, before I went on, it was in the middle of the afternoon. I posted on Twitter and kind of shared on Instagram about being nervous. Yeah, and it was so staggering the 
the words that flooded in from people, man. It's in, in person or on social? On social. On social, yeah. And calls and texts and like just the inpouring of like love and support was just so humbling and inspiring to to see that people just care. Yeah. Right? They care. They want to see me succeed and to take the time to send a message or to call or to text or to DM or to whatever, you know, it's... And that kind of goes back to like the whole point of like starting Sudbury Stories here is like, man, there's a lot of awesome people that are doing awesome stuff and like, let's encourage this. You know, we yeah. all grew up with those people that like, oh, Sudbury's a terrible place to be or anything like that. Like, no. Why? Let's make the most of this. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, Sudbury's just so awesome. You right. know, so, uh, so yeah, I do want to get more into some of the, some of the, like on the hyper local level. Yeah, for sure. Kind of chat about Sudbury a little bit. Yeah. Like, so, um, you've lived here, born and raised your whole life or? Yep. Born yeah. and raised. So, spent four years in Waterloo at, at Laurier. Yeah. But like, if you had to describe Sudbury in one sentence or like in a few words, what would you say about Sudbury? How would you define Sudbury? Sudbury is an amazing, quiet, yet big enough city to live and raise a family. It's it's so true. You know, like I like I always say, we're the perfect blend of small city living mixed with big city amenities. Like, yeah. And what, part of that is like we're the hub of the north, right? So like we have all these people like that will come in to, to visit Sudbury for the big shopping trip on the weekend or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. We go to Costco on like, the I would like, love to see the numbers of like out of towners that come to Costco every weekend. Exactly. Like it's huge. Lowe's, home people, like that like they they get flooded, right? But but you hit the nail on the head where we we figure out that balance in an awesome way. And on, like for me, I would hate to have my kids growing up in downtown Toronto where, you know, like it's just like it's it's nice, but it's a concrete jungle. Right. Like where yeah. we literally have a, like a wilderness and forest jungle like right at our doorstep, right? Like, like we, if we wanted to, after this podcast, in five minutes, we can be on like a 25 kilometer trail network. Oh, yeah. From right here. Trans Canada Trails. Like, We're in the middle of the city exactly. and we can be... In the, if we want to go for a swim in the summertime, also five minutes. And, and you want to go ride your bike? Five minutes. Five minutes, not from one beach, but from like six from, different Yeah, beaches. right. <laughs> and like like those hikes that you're talking about, you get to the peak of these hikes and you look at it, you don't see one lake. You see five lakes. Right. Like, like where do you have that? Nowhere else, right? No. And that's what makes Sunbury such an awesome place in my mind kind of thing. But I think that, you know what, like, I think we're young, we're ambitious, and like we, we want to see Sudbury do better. And so if I had to ask you, if we could change one thing for Sudbury, what would you want to see changed? Um, I think that it would be, and it's tough because of kind of the geographical size and spread of Sudbury, but we lots of rock here. <laughs> we definitely have to, uh, we definitely have to get some uh, cycling infrastructure, start pushing non-motorized vehicular transport or just even ride sharing something from an environmental and from a physical health and well-being standpoint because we we just need to get better yeah at that it's we, we I found that we have like hardly any infrastructure for it right now. We have none. We have some we have some bike, bike lanes, but like come on, they're, they're like, terrible. Yeah. They're terrible. And, like it, it's nice to see the city's doing more things. Like I like we're at a, like the intersection of Harrison Walford is where our office is right here, and we've got a notice in the mail that they're trying to widen bike lanes all down Walford Drive and stuff like that, which is great to see. Perfect. We're going to be adding more and more to to that network, but it's still we've got a long way to go, I think. Um, but for instance, look at this, like. How many times have they? How many times have we dug up and repaved the Kingsway? <laughs> why hasn't any? Why hasn't there been a bike lane added? In that whole time. LaSalle, 
Like, we're doing road work all the time. Like, a running joke is we have, what is it? The season's joke. It's like winter, fall, winter, and construction, yeah, right? Exactly. Or whatever that saying is. And we redo the roads so many times. And why, like, why don't we build it in? Build it costs it. nothing. Build On a scale where you are, where you're spending, you know, millions of dollars already, doing that costs no, like literally zero dollars. And we start, like, if you, like, we don't have to get into too much of the future kind of thing, but like when we were looking at doing, doing the arena project, everyone's like, where's the parking? Where's the parking? Like, we have to realize in 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, parking, like, cars are going to drive themselves. Yeah. They're just going to, like, go back to our house. They're not going to need to be parked. Like, right. these things are going to happen eventually. So, like, yeah, like, sure, you might have to walk seven minutes to get to your t- your seats at the every five right now. But, like, really? Is that the end of the world? <laughs> you think that's going to happen? That's such a cool concept. Oh, I've for never sure. thought for of sure that. Happening. To yeah. get dropped off and, you're and gonna, picked up by your own vehicle. Not only that, your car's, you're going to have one vehicle at your home, and that car's going to make you money during the day. Because it's going to go drive out and it's going to be like... It's going to go Uber people Uber around. During the day and stuff like that. Like, like that's happening. Like the tech That is so cool. <laughs> Just to be dropped off, get out of the car, and then your <laughs> unmanned vehicle itself. goes and, like, just Drives goes home. to work. Yeah. Goes like, and works. Go, yeah, go makes you money. Work during the day, make money. Like, this, these things are going to happen in our, in our, in our lifetime. Like, this... <laughs> which, which, which speaks to the need for people and we'll contextualize it specifically as Sudbury because this is this local Sudbury podcast is to think about not today you can't make a hundred million dollar decision based on today it's gotta be it's gotta be based on what is this world gonna look like in 20 years we started when I was off camera with you and we were looking around and the building I'm at has no signs right now and I'm just like, Chris, I make decisions for 20 years. Like, right. When I put the signs up, it's not going to be a rush sign. It's going to be the right sign. It's going to be exactly what I want. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure it's exactly what I want. Right. Because why put up something temporary? Right. Make long-term decisions and good long-term decisions. And, you know, you'll be better for it for sure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay, we're going to uh, we're gonna take you through a few rapid-fire questions before we wrap up, too. And I just kind of want to get some, uh, some overall feedback. So, so basically, the first thing that pops in your head, and we chatted a little bit, and you said you're not too much into TV, but like, if you had to describe your favorite TV show or movie, what would you be watching? I have to say that my favorite TV show is How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> it's classic, right? <laughs> I, I we, me and Leslie have watched that show honest to god 12 times who's your favorite character Barney? Barney's hilarious yes (laughs) I like Barney I also thoroughly enjoy Robin yeah are you you a Robin in life or where where, where do you think I'm a Robin I'm totally a Robin I'm a Marshall I think that's why I think that's why that show is just so hilarious and so connected to me is that it's it's honestly the perfect show it is it's (laughs) I, 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 I wasn't I, thrilled with No, I, I know. They but, rushed but it. Isn't it? it. So they, I, yeah, they had to figure out a way to end it. We put it on, honest to God, we put it on as just like comfort noise in the background. And we just let it run. When we were in, when we were living in Toronto, we, uh, we just had that on on a laptop, legit, just as like... Background. Yeah, background. Nurses would come in and, oh, I love this show. Like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> what episode are you guys <laughs> on? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so how I met your mother for, what time are you waking up in the morning? 5.30. 5.30? Alarm or no alarm? Leslie. Leslie. Leslie's alarm. She wakes alarm. you up. 
Wow. Well, she, her alarm goes off to get in the shower, <laughs> and then I wake up with her and I go to the I go to the gym for six. And are you in there five days a week? Like, what, how many days? I'm there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. I'm at Rotary, and then uh, you know, weekends, family and kids, and I was crazy trying to figure stuff. out how you have forty hours in your day, but that's it right there. I think. <laughs> um, do you have a dream car? No, no, don't care. Yeah, don't care about cars. What about uh, are you like somebody that sings in the shower? I sing all the time. Yeah, and what song are you singing? Like, uh, what's your song like? So it's uh, the weird songs go into my head. So whatever is in the moment, um, I rap a lot. You know, Eminem is a lot through there. Old Town Road. My kids love Old Town Road. Oh, so, so, so so that's around. Uh, lately, it's been Werewolves of London because Leslie. I mean, because Zoe is into that song right now. So that's that. What about yeah. favorite sport? Uh, to play, I would say Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee, nice. Yeah. Or now, like, OCRs and Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Uh, to watch. You're not watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not watching. <laughs> what about, like, uh, like Jordan or... Playoff Lamb? basketball? Uh, that's weird. I just had this discussion with Richie online a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you, we were to s- simplify it to who would win in their prime LeBron in that like a 93 MJ or a 2000 and like 14 LeBron yeah if you take him if you take a Miami championship run LeBron you put him against a 94 Jordan like I just meet I think LeBron would win right he's just bigger stronger you just win but if you look at them in silos you know, they were the two most dominant people at their time, right? They're different leagues, different... Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. MJ played defense. LeBron doesn't necessarily... LeBron is smart. LeBron is smart because... <laughs> MJ played this. MJ played the length of the court. LeBron defends the perimeter, and he plays around the perimeter. So he's... Only just tra- yeah. he's traveling much less. You can't see what he's drawing there, but yeah, like he's he he knows how to rest while playing, right? Which is a crazy thing. That's how he can play full games, right? But but that's crazy. So uh, favorite podcast, the Gary V Audio. The Gary V Audio experience. What's the number two? Because like that's that's the go to for you. But what are you listening to anything else? Um, I honestly don't listen to other podcasts. Yeah. I Gary, I that's huge. I <laughs> get uh, I. Through my group chat, through one of the group chats I have, I get a lot of information from the Spit and Chicklets podcast. So and like you know, Biz Nasty is funny and those guys are great. They're they're hilarious. I follow them on Instagram and stuff. So I guess I consume some of their content. I've watched a couple of Joe Rogan's podcasts as long as they are. I've watched if there's a guest that I particularly enjoy. I watch like when he had Alex Honnold on the show. He free soloed. El Cap in Yosemite National Park, three thousand foot wall. And he free soloed it. Free soloed. So, yeah. yeah. That's. Are you uh, Apple or Android? Android. Android. Hard. Yeah, I saw you. Kind of, like you kind of stuff. Yeah, like he's telling me to buy a stylus. <laughs> <laughs> like, does that work on my iPhone? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it should. But because I'll tell you a funny story. So, I have vehemently defended my cell phone of choice throughout my history of having a cell phone. So when I was on BlackBerry, yeah. 
when Apple came around, I was one of those guys that was team BlackBerry. There was like a picture that BlackBerry released with like the red circle with the notification star that says I'm team BlackBerry. Like that was my (laughs) profile picture. I was posting like tools, not toys and fighting against the iPhone movement, right? And then I moved to iPhone. I was like, oh my God, as if I took this long to get on the iPhone. And then that was good. And then I switched to Samsung and I instantly regretted it. So I was, I was DMing Apple really like every single day with things that I was hating about the Samsung. I was like, I've made a big mistake. I've signed into a two year agreement on this phone, but I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Please, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll do a review that you can use. I'll send you a video of me smashing my Samsung. Yeah. If you send me a new iPhone, blah, blah, blah. That never produced any fruit, obviously. But then as I'm using it, it's just like... It's become it, more and more functional. It's better. <laughs> it's just better. The camera is better. What about, do you have a favorite pot, a uh, favorite app on it? Um, I don't have, a, I'm super into InShot right now, which is a video editing software. Yeah. But it's funny that you asked that question because I was like, how do I, how do I tell him this feature without sounding super nerdy? So I'm glad you asked the question is that there's a clipboard feature where I can copy up to 10 things and paste from my clipboard instead of having to only paste the last thing I copy. So, so easy just to like, like, like I copy everything, right? Yeah. So in my world where I'm, I have a notepad database that I'm pulling from and when I'm posting to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, I'm all over the place, right? I can copy a whole bunch of things and then go into these different networks and, and paste instead of copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. I can just have it all right there. Yeah. So that's probably what I like it most. If you could have drinks with anybody, alive or dead, who would it be? Gary Vee. Gary Vee, for sure. That's yeah. awesome. And like Gary Vee, like, have, has he ever called you? No, but he commented, he replied I, to one of my I comments one of yesterday. Guys. Just yesterday? Yeah. Oh, no way, which one? Yeah, I, um, he, Bob Mennery, have you ever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Bob Mennery uh, posted a picture of. So the Jets or what? <laughs> yeah, no, he posted a picture. So uh, Bob just started a podcast. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Gary was on, Gary, they just filmed episode three, which had Gary in it. So I posted this post about like Bob Mennery and Gary V episode is going to be fire. Swear level is infinity because they both <laughs> swear a lot. Yeah. And then he responded to that, and so I DM'd him, and I was like, dude, like, I can't believe you just r- replied to this. But that's, like, that, that we, we talked about before, like, having, like, that passion of, like, the, the, doing the work and what, scaling whatever you can scale, but you can't scale that, like, individual DMs and that actual reach out. And, like, I've got friends that have started businesses, and they're like, he just called me out of the blue. Like, they post on Twitter, I'll call anybody, and they message him, and they, he calls them for uh-huh. a five-minute conversation. Yeah. Like, that's scaling the unscalable is guaranteed. Yeah, exactly, because when you... And the thing about the thing about Gary Vee is that he's a businessman at heart and his content is very business related, but the values and the messages that he spreads is just all good. Oh yeah. Like he's a he's a beacon of positivity too and and he's providing access to himself in order to inject that into other people. So when you're providing that much value to the world, a lot of people want to talk to you and 
how and when we talk about scaling the unscalable when you say you can have an opportunity to have a five minute call with me all you have to do is write on twitter give me a thought and hashtag this the absurd amount of response you're going to get to that and so he's just building all this infrastructure and putting all these machines in place that have the information and the content coming to him He's, he's got his head on the shoulders, that's for sure. He's like, we think about where the future's going, like Gary, like the future around Gary V is, is going to be bright there, that's for sure. Yeah. So last one, this is what we're going to end the podcast on, uh, is if you have Sudbury's attention for 30 seconds, what would you want to say? Be good, be nice, and be kind. Sudbury, be good, be nice, be kind. Right from the words of his mom. Treat everybody with respect. Treat everybody the way you would like to be treated and behave in ways and do good, but don't expect anything in return. Because if you give with expectations, you're not really giving. And that's how I got you on the podcast today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Much appreciated. So excited to have you on our first episode of Sudbury Stories and look forward to this, guys. We're going to be doing a few extra episodes here, but thanks so much, Chris. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario?